hope you're ready. I'm not. Okay. No, the sermon is ready. I'm just not ready for the year. Sorry. Should have clarified. Um, do you know what, uh, have you heard of the term the placebo effect? Yeah, the placebo effect. It's uh, when someone is given a, a fake a pill or some other treatment. It doesn't actually work. Um, it doesn't hurt them, but it doesn't actually work. But they're told it will help them. That's called a placebo. They feel better, and if they do feel better, it's actually not the pill or the treatment. It's just their mind and their body getting better. It's the placebo effect. Now, really, there's really nothing that should work about it. But here's the thing, though. They've done lots of studies, and placebos actually do work. Here are some extra interesting facts you may not know about placebos. Number one, the greater the effort, the greater the effect of the placebo. So, for example, a pill that is fake is not as important or doesn't work as well as a needle with, uh, with drugs that are fake. And the needle won't work as well as, they even do this, placebo surgeries. Right? So if they cut you open or make you think they've cut you open, that actually has a greater effect. Right? The greater the effort, the greater the effect. Number two, um, placebos, the effect can work negatively as well. So there was one study where everyone was given drugs that actually did work, actual painkillers. But then they were told they were fake. And it actually negated the effect of the actual drug. Amazing, isn't it? Works negatively as well. Number three, brand names and price affects the results as well. So if someone's been given a placebo that's more expensive or has a brand name that they recognize, it's more effective. And number four, here's a really bizarre one. Placebos can work even if you know it's a placebo. All right? So as long as you expect it to work, even if you're told it's just a placebo, it likely will still work. This is why I still take multivitamins. Now, when it comes to prayer, I wonder if you've ever thought, is prayer just placebo effect? As in, it might work, but really it's just working because we think it'll work. It's all in our mind. Is prayer placebo? Maybe that's your struggle with prayer. Often you pray, and maybe you feel better, but you do wonder, does it ever get even further than the ceiling? Well, the answer to that question is in theology. Theology, theology, sorry, sounds like a big scary word, but theology is just, just understanding God. And we're going to do, we're in a, uh, the beginning of our Head, Heart, and Hands series, and today is on head, so we're really going to fill our minds with good theology, good knowledge about God. And it's theology that will answer the question of whether prayer actually works or is it just a placebo. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm not going to give you a theology of prayer so much. But as the word theology kind of points to, it's, it's what we think about God that's most important to prayer and to all of life, but particularly to prayer. So we're going to look at a theology of God because what God says about himself in the Bible is the reason why prayer is real and not just something that only happens in our minds. So I'm going to make a Four points, and you can see that on your line. There's four outlined. There's four theological planks or foundations that will affect how we pray. It'll affect why we pray and whether our prayers actually do anything. All right. So let's go. Number one, God is able. The first two really belong together. I want to start with two key truths about God, without which we won't pray and we won't pray effectively. And um, they actually both come from the, the, well, we'll actually see the answer both in the Gospel of Mark. You don't need to turn to it. Let me just reference 
firstly, Mark chapter 9. Right? In Mark chapter 9, Jesus encounters a, little, a boy who's demon-possessed. And his disciples aren't able to do anything for the boy, even though they try. And so the father of the boy brings the demon-possessed boy to Jesus, and he begs Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, and he says to Jesus, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, that is, if you're able to, Jesus, help us. And Jesus' reply was, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. You got that? Everything is possible. Jesus, who is God in human flesh, is able. Everything is possible for him. And Jesus, of course, in Mark chapter 9, heals the boy immediately. All right, that's our first point. God is able. Now, this is, I gather, probably not the biggest point of struggle for many of you here. At least in principle, we know that God is omnipotent, omnipotent, can do anything. Jeremiah 32, 27, don't have to look it up, but it says this, Jeremiah 32, 27, God says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind, is anything too hard for me? It's the Bible's consistent picture of God. He who created the universe by speaking a few words can do anything. God is able I wonder if you actually believe that in reality. And does that overflow into your prayers? When you pray, do you pray the impossible because you expect God to do the unlikely or even the impossible? Or do we limit God even by the way we pray? So that's the first thing. God is able. God is able. The second, God is willing. See, it's no good if God is able. He can do anything, but he's actually unwilling. He doesn't want to. Well, here we come to another part of Mark, another encounter of Jesus, this time from Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, another person with a great need for healing, this time a guy with leprosy. He comes to Jesus, and in Mark chapter 1 verse 40, he says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me. So you see, this guy wasn't like the father in Mark chapter 9. The father was like, if you can, this guy knows Jesus can. In fact, he doesn't doubt that Jesus can heal. But his problem is, why would Jesus bother? Why would Jesus be willing with a, with a reject or leprous like me? If you are willing. And then Jesus, the next verse, verse 41, Jesus, it says, filled with compassion. Because Jesus loves him. Jesus loves you. He replies, I am willing. And then he heals him. Now, if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, welcome. Every week we have people here who aren't yet followers of Jesus, just investigating, just checking it out. It's a great thing to do, especially at the beginning of the year. Let me say our February series will be especially great for you. Questions for God, starting on the first Sunday of Feb. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, these two truths together, this first point, God is able and God is willing, uh, put together is good news for you. It's good news for you because no matter what you've done, no matter how far you think you are from God, He is both able and willing to come into your life, to be part of it and change your life. So if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then maybe today you want to come to Jesus. Because today, if you decide to trust and follow Him, you can have your life changed. You can have forgiveness. You can... Come into a relationship with God because He is able and willing to be part of your life. 
But if you want to find out more, definitely keep coming back, and especially in February. By this point, God is willing. You might be thinking, well, okay, the Bible says God is willing, and that's supposed to make me want to pray, but how come I've prayed or I've asked God for things that He hasn't given me? He hasn't granted. He hasn't answered. He seems unwilling rather than willing. Well, here's where where we need to remember that God, while willing, is also a good father. And he is bigger than us. He is God. He does know better. So sometimes God doesn't grant our requests because, like those of us who are parents would know, our kids will ask things that may not be good for them. If I give my kids unlimited screen time, even in the, ho- uh, in the holidays, that's not good for them. All right? Our requests can sometimes hurt us. We can't see that far ahead, but God, our good Father, knows. Other times, our requests are right and good, but in His wisdom, He has something even better planned. Uh, those of you who know the Christian author Joni Erickson, uh, she's a paraquadriplegic, I think. Hurt herself um, from a young age, but has written lots of books. Even though she can't walk, she's in a wheelchair all her life. And these are, this is a famous quote from her. She wrote, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. That's a good thing to remember, isn't it? God will sometimes permit what he hates, suffering even, pain even. He doesn't like them. He doesn't like to see us suffer, not at all. He's a good father, but he sometimes permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Now, other times, God withholds our requests, or one request, in order to grant another one that we prayed ourselves, that sometimes he actually thinks is more important for us. I don't know how many of you have ever prayed, if you're a follower of Jesus, have you ever prayed, God, make me more like Jesus? probably prayed that at some point. Or, or God, make me more holy. Or God, draw me closer to you. Or let's talk about prayer. God, help me pray better. If you've ever prayed that kind of prayer, do you know sometimes, in fact, let me say often, in order to answer that prayer, He's going to have to deny you other prayers. See, if you want to come closer to God, be more intimate with God, pray like you've never prayed before, And you've also prayed, God, spare me from suffering. Chances are he's going to grant the first and not the second in order to grant the first. Do you see what I mean? Just last week, my wife Karen was reflecting on how hard 2018 was for her and us as a family in lots of different ways. But then she looked back on her prayer journal because Karen likes to write prayer journals. And she found at the beginning of 2018, a prayer, something to the effect that God helped me to keep relying on you more this year. And then she realized that's why 2018 was such a hard year. Because through the hard times, God answered that prayer. How else do we come closer to God, rely on Him more, grow in our holiness and godliness, if not through some of the toughest times, yeah? So sometimes God withholds one request because we may have forgotten that we asked God for something that actually in the end was more important. And in order to grant one of our own requests, He needs to deny another not that God is unwilling, He's just greater. And there's still other times, as this leads to my next point, God hasn't answered, not because He's unwilling, and not because He will always withhold it, 
but because he wants us to wait. He wants us to be patient. He wants us to persevere and keep asking. And the reason is because of point number three, the third thing. He wants us to realize that we really are not in control. In other words, he wants to humble us. Have a look at this passage, 1 Peter 5. It's on the overhead. It says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, that's a pretty, you know that um, pride is not a good thing in God's eyes, but this is putting it further. If you are proud, if I am proud, God actually opposes you. He set his face against the proud. So think about that. Right? But the opposite is true. If you are humble, he gives you more grace. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Uh, verse 7 is a classic one that we use for prayer. Cast your anxieties on God. But did you notice 5 and 6? It's all about coming to God, knowing that you are not in control. We need to be humble. If we come to God and we are self-reliant, God is against us. He opposes us. If we, on the other hand, recognize that we deeply need Him, that without Him, our plans and purposes, our gifts, our talents, our hard work, everything counts for nothing. If we come to Him empty-handed, He gives us more grace. Do you see it? Now, that's a really hard one for us to accept really deep down inside because here in our society, especially the majority of you are well-educated, um, have good prospects, even if you don't currently uh, work, you have pretty good prospects or you've achieved a lot, you can end up thinking that you are here, I am here because of my own hard work and abilities. Um, you maybe have taken risks, uh, you've put in the hours, study, working, you've reaped the rewards. And maybe inside your mantra is, God helps those who help themselves. Well, if that's you, we just need a bit of a reality check, don't we? Because if you think you are a self-made person, and that's what your future holds, then it'll only take a bout of serious sickness, won't it? Some unforeseen deaths, maybe of the people that you love around you. Some of what the world would call bad luck suddenly hit you, and you actually see that nothing really is in my control, in your control. Isn't that true? Maybe you've realized that over the last year. And you've got to remember, there are many more people that are more talented than you and I, who actually work much harder than you and I have, but because they weren't born and raised in Sydney, Australia, but rather the slums of Nairobi in Africa, it doesn't matter how talented or hard they work, chances are they won't ever succeed. Now, were you in control of where you were born and the opportunities you were given? Chances are no. So do not think for a moment that really any part of our lives is anything but in God's hands. Right? We need to humble ourselves. We are not in control. Now, to a world outside who don't recognize Jesus, that idea of depending on God, surrendering to God, feeling weak, humble, that actually seems really dumb. Um, the famous atheist Friedrich Nietzsche, he despised that. He made fun of Christians because we, you know, we glory and delight in weakness. But you see, for the person who follows Jesus, we know that power comes through humbling ourselves. Power comes through weakness. You just think, did Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, 
did he have all power available to him? You know the answer to that, right? The answer is yes, of course he did. So why did Jesus pray? Lots and lots of times when Jesus prayed and records of him praying and his prayer life was featured right from the beginning of his ministry. So why, if Jesus had all power at his fingertips, why did Jesus need to pray? Well, the answer is, of course, even though Jesus is God, he is also God become man. And as man, he chose to live in complete surrender and humility and dependence on God, his Father, and God, our Father. Jesus prayed because he modeled this kind of dependence on God. Now, if Jesus was dependent on God the Father, then who am I and who are you to think we are better than him? Back to my previous point. Why does God sometimes delay us in answering and granting our requests? It's because he wants to remind us of our need. Just think, if, if God, every time you prayed, you got an immediate answer, an immediate granting, doesn't that make God your personal genie? Someone that you can keep in your pocket and manipulate rather than actually being God? And so you may be here and you're wondering, why hasn't God answered my prayer? Well, maybe he hasn't given because you've asked, but you've only asked a few times and you've given up. Perhaps he wants to teach you to be like Jesus' parable of the persistent widow. We're not going to turn to it, but the widow who asks and keeps on asking and receives what she wants. Not because the person she asks is a good person. She was actually a judge who didn't care for her, but because she kept hassling him, she got what she wanted. Well, how much more so God who loves you. Well, here's another thought. Perhaps... God hasn't granted particular prayer requests of yours, even though they're good and even though He's willing and able, because He actually wants you to ask others to pray with you. Have you thought of that? That He hasn't granted some requests because we've kept it to ourselves. See, the truth is many of us don't want to ask others to pray with us and for us, and you tell yourself it's because you're polite and you don't want to trouble others, but behind it, maybe just pride. Because you don't want others to know how much you're struggling. You don't want to be vulnerable, so you don't want others to pray for you. And maybe God is withholding some prayer answer because He wants you to be humble enough to share it with those around you. If you're on Facebook, we've got a prayer group. If you're not a member yet, just let me know and I'll add you. One of the best things about that prayer group is just people posting up prayer requests. Let me encourage you to do that. Because maybe he's withholding some answer because in your pride you haven't let others pray alongside you. So God is able, God is willing. They go together, points one and two. Point three, we are not in control, goes together with my fourth point. God is completely in control right god is completely in control completely and that's why we pray see if it's true it's not just what you know in life but who you know in life right your connections who you know actually matter a lot getting ahead well guess what if you are a follower of jesus if you're a christian you are in relationship with the creator and the king of the universe who you know 
is in control of all things. That should be a powerful incentive to call on him to pray, yeah? All right, God is completely in control. Sorry, God is completely in control. Now, that might sound simple, but here's the thing, though. I want to explore this one a little bit because maybe a little bit ironically, the fact that God is completely in control for some of us is a reason that we don't really pray. Now, now how so? How, how is it that we don't really pray because God is completely in control? Well, the thinking goes like this. God has determined everything already in advance because He is completely in control, even of the future. So my prayers may be important for lots of reasons, like it humbles me, it uh, exalts God's goodness, it's therapeutic for my worries. But let's be honest, what my prayer does not do is actually change anything. If anything's going to happen, it'll happen already because God has already determined it. My prayers don't really make a difference. Prayer is important because it changes me, but it doesn't really change the world, and it doesn't change God's plans. Now, I wonder if that's what you think, and admit it, if you are good Calvinists, uh, which I am, then that you may believe that is true, yeah? And so it actually works against the incentive to pray. Why pray? If God has already determined everything. And this is really important. This is why I'm going to spend a bit more time on this point. And we need to get this one sorted out when we come to our theology. See, the problem with this view is firstly the Bible. Right? The Bible. Because you look through the Bible and in the Old Testament, the first two-thirds of our Bibles, you got lots of people. Abraham, Moses, Amos, Jonah. Let me just give you four examples. Where their actual pleading with God changes God's mind. Like that's actually the word used in the Old Testament. The word will be God repents, or God changes his mind, or God relents. God actually changes his mind because they pray or because they plead. Now, this is we've got to take this on balance with other things it says about God because it's not actually saying that God is weak and he's, you know, um, he's fickle because 1 Samuel 15, 29, 1 Samuel 15, 29 says that God is not like man, that he should change his mind. So we've got to balance that. They change God's mind, but God is not like man, that he should change his mind. All right? So what, what, what it can't mean is that God is fickle or that God is weak or that he isn't in control. But what it does show that God is at least very, very open to the requests of his people. And here's the thing, that their requests actually do make a difference. That's the important point to get out of it. God wants us to know that the requests of his people do make a difference. And if you want more biblical evidence, here's a few more verses. James 4 verse 2 on the screen. You do not have because you do not ask God. Jesus says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Luke 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. John 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You see, God responds to prayer. He actually changes Reality in response to prayer. Things happen because people pray for it. That's what the Word says. And yet, as I said, this does not mean that we abandon the idea that God is sovereign. Now, there are some people who want to hold to A and therefore let go of B. They, they don't think that the Bible teaches God is sovereign. Um, there's a theology called 
the open theology, openness of God theology. Their, um, their view is that God doesn't actually know the future or determine the future in advance. He's just a lot smarter than us, so he knows all the possibilities like a good chess player, but he also, like a good chess player, can see the possibilities, but he still can only move things in the present. He only has to take the risks like a chess player does because the future is still open to him. Now, is that what we've got to do? In order to hold on to A, we've got to let go of B? Well, the answer is no, of course, because the Bible, on the other hand, says these things. So this is one of those things where if you came last Wednesday, God's sovereignty and evangelism, we have to hold them in tension, right? And antimony was the word that we used. If you missed it, don't worry. But look at what Proverbs says. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Pretty clear, isn't it? Ephesians 1, God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. And even to changing people's hearts. Proverbs 21, the king's heart is the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. Now let's think about this one. This is important. And we looked at that last Wednesday at our head workshop on evangelism and God's sovereignty. Because if God was not completely in control, if this weren't true, if B wasn't true, then there would be no point praying that people come to know Jesus, praying for conversion. You see, here's the irony. Some people say that because we believe in God's absolute sovereignty, we don't really pray. But you know, the flip side is true as well. If you don't believe that God is completely sovereign, you also don't need to pray. Because if the future is as the openness of theology people believe, even open to God, and He isn't in control of the future, then He can't ultimately control people and events. So even if you do pray, what's the point? Do you see what I mean? So the solution isn't to let go of God's sovereignty, isn't to hold on to A and let go of B, because if you let go of B, you don't want to pray either. So the big question then is, all right, I hope your brains are working now. This is head, right? Supposed to get you working. Sorry, it's the first day of the year, but you know, let's go. How can we bring A and B together? How can God be open to the response of uh, the request of His people that prayer actually does work, does change things, and yet be completely sovereign? Well, the answer is C. And you've got a quote there. The quote is from the theologian Augustine. The answer is this that God has ordained, He has purposed, He has set forth, He has, what's another word for ordained? He has chosen that this would be the case, that the way He works out His purposes, His sovereign plan, right, or the means by which He achieves His purposes, is through your prayers and my prayers. You got that? God has ordained in His sovereignty that the way He works out His sovereignty and His plans is through our prayers. I'll give you an illustration. Have you ever seen rain when the skies have been completely, and I mean completely, 100% cloudless? I haven't. Now, God, I take it, is in control. If He wanted to send rain without a single cloud, He could. But when God sends rain, very normally, most of the time, 100% of my experience, 
he also sends the cause of the rain, the clouds. Yeah? Right? When God sends rain, he also sends the cause of the rain, i.e. the clouds. So here is what is illustrating. God in his sovereignty could do all things without us, but he chooses to do it through us, through our prayers. When he sends rain, he sends clouds. When he does things, he sends us to pray. Because we are his friends. We are his sons and daughters. And he chooses not to achieve all that he wants to achieve the world without our participation in prayer. And that's where Augustine's quote comes in. Without God, we cannot, but... Without us, God will not. If there's one thing to take away from today, it's this. Now, I hope for some of you, this actually will change the way you think about God, think about His sovereignty, think about prayer. But this is consistently God's plan from the very beginning of the Bible. God creates, He saves, and He calls people, human beings, to partner with him. It started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He didn't want a world that was filled, multiplied, and subdued without partnering with human beings. It continues through the people of Israel. Israel, his chosen people in the Old Testament, are called a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He wants to partner with them to change the world. And of course, it reaches its climax in Jesus perfect man. Jesus is the perfect model of what it means to partner with God. And of course, it will continue in Jesus' body, which the Bible calls us, the church. He wants to partner with us. See, God did not save us to be passive, backseat passengers. He saved us so that we could partner with Him as He created us to, as He created Adam and Eve to, right at the beginning. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, you even get the astounding words. Paul says, we are God's fellow workers. Right? God could reach the nations without us, but He chooses to use us in mission. God could achieve His plans without us, but He chooses to use our prayers. And it seems like the Bible is indicating that He does not achieve anything without getting us to pray about it. Now wrap your minds around this one. Right? God achieves all things in partnership with the prayers of His people. Let that really sink in for you. It means that there are people who won't be converted, children who won't grow up to love Jesus, churches that won't grow, Justice that won't be done, nations that won't be evangelized, problems that won't find solutions, sicknesses that won't get better, sins that won't be conquered, religious freedoms that won't be protected, unless they are prayed for. Like, do you really believe that? I think that's what the Bible is saying. That's how you hold A and B together. Now, you might be thinking, though, hang on here. There are some things, many things that I know that have happened, and I haven't prayed for them. 
Well, the reason is probably because someone else has. God who keeps an account of all prayers through all time. General and specific. Someone else has prayed for it. And you're benefiting from it. Isn't that great? Now for me, this is the the one lesson that has absolutely given me a greater urgency to pray about everything. If you get this point, you will pray about everything, won't you? You'll pray in faith, you'll pray in confidence, you'll pray with urgency, and you will spend lots of time praying. But how much more would this get us, not just to gather, uh, not just to pray individually, but this should make us urgently, frequently want to pray together with other members of the church, with other Christians. Because here's the thing, if God in His sovereignty, regards the prayers of individual sons and daughters because He loves you and He values you and He wants to partner with you. Well, how much so, how much more so, does He value the prayers of His beloved bride, the church, the community, the people? And this is another reason why I urge you to invite others to pray along with you. Prayer together is more powerful. God loves it when His bride, His church, prays. The book of Revelation tells us that right now in heaven, the prayers of the saints, that's Christians, rise up to God like incense. He loves it when we pray together. So prayer meetings, we have them every month, first Sunday of the month, right? 10 a.m. upstairs, just for half an hour. They're not little things when we get together to pray. We'll have one this Wednesday night for our summer series, prayer, worship. When God's people, when we as a church gather to pray together, heaven and earth will move. Do you believe that? Heaven and earth will move at these prayer meetings. So make a point to come to prayer meetings this year. But you know what? There's something else that's happening, and I want to to invite up a couple of people to help us think more about prayer, especially in light of our February month of Questions for God. So I'm going to get um, Anthony and Sharon to come along, and they're going to help us apply this. So they're going to introduce to us something that um, they came up with, and I believe it's because God sovereignly worked in their hearts to come up with it. And the reason why God sovereignly worked in your hearts to come up with it is because I have honestly been praying that people would come up with stuff like this. So there you go. Um, tell us about 21 Days of Prayer. Yep. Um, hi, I'm Anthony. Uh, this is Sharon. Um, we're really excited for this. And I think, um, especially in light of today's talk, we don't want to underestimate the power of prayer. Um, and I don't know uh, what everyone's prayer life looks like at the moment. Um, I can only assume for some of us, um, maybe your prayer life is very strong and prayer is something that's really important part of your daily life. Um, Or maybe for some of us, um, we really struggle with prayer. Maybe we don't know what to be praying for, or maybe um, we just can't set a time, um, some time to pray. Um, So we really want to invite you and ask you to join us. Um, But more than just join, but to commit um, 21 days of prayer. Um, So 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Um, And this is the kind of passage that we really want us um, to be turning to, to be encouraging us and for something for us to commit to. Um, and this is more so um, in the lead up towards Mission Month. Uh, we want to see non-Christian friends and family be walking through those doors. Um, but as a church, we want to be committed 
um, and be confident in the fact that God is actually going to be working in them. Um, and this is particularly if we are praying and we're praying hard together as a church. Um, so it's going to look like a couple of different things. Um, yeah, so first of all, um, daily social media updates. So each day we're going to be releasing um, daily prayer points and devotionals. Um, it's primarily going to be on Facebook and Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, please follow our church. It's at SWE Church. Um, but if you're not on uh, part of the Facebook group, it's like family prayer group, um, please talk to Sharon and I or Pete. Uh, we'll be happy to add you to it. Um, but if you're not on social media, that's totally fine. Um, we have other avenues to kind of send um, the prayer points towards you, so please chat to us. Um, but another cool thing that we're going to be doing is, um, in light of that one John passage, um, for us to kind of remember that passage, we're going to be praying together. We're going to be asking you guys to be praying at 5.14 p.m. each day over the 21 days. So from the 9th to the 29th of January, we're going to be asking you guys to pray on 5.14 p.m. each day. So you may be coming home from work, maybe you're already at home, but we're going to be asking you guys to drop whatever you're doing um, and just pray. That can be for a minute, that can be for half an hour, but at 5.14 p.m., um, that's the plan. And I think it's such a comforting thing to think that even though we're alone or maybe you're with people, um, the whole church will be praying together at that time, even though we're physically not together. Um, the second thing that we're going to be doing is the hands workshop. Um, so as you guys have heard, we've been running workshops. Um, it started last week. Um, and this week we have a prayer and worship night, um, but also on the 23rd of January, um, we'll be running a hands workshop, and what that looks like is going to look like a couple of different things. Um, I won't give away too much, but we're doing something um, that we think, I don't think our church has done before, um, but it's going to be really exciting, so please come along. Um, 23rd of January, Pete will also be giving a quick workshop on evangelism and the importance of it. Um, and yep, Sharon's going to explain kind of the other aspects. Yep, so another cool thing that we'll be rolling out are prayer cards. Um, so if you come along to our, our workshop on Wednesday at 7.45, it'll be a great night of um, prayer and worship. And what we'll be doing as well is writing down three friends or family members that we want to be praying for in the lead up to Mission Month. Um, and I think it'll be a great night as well um, to prepare our hearts to, um, I guess, love God more and love um, the lost more as well. Um, and one last thing is our prayer corner, which we're going to start today after service. Um, I think in light of all that we've heard about prayer and how good it is and how powerful it is, it only makes sense for us to come together in prayer. Um, we're hoping to make this a daily, oh sorry, a weekly thing. Um, and yeah, I just, I guess we can just spend um, some time with, with each other in prayer for ourselves, for um, our family and friends and um, yeah, just whatever else we want to pray about. Um, so in light of this, why don't I pray about prayer? So let's pray, guys. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who came to die for our sins um, and who resurrected again to allow us to be in a relationship with you um, and that in him we have new life, a life where um, we've been reconciled to you and can approach you in confidence, knowing that you love us um, and have forgiven our sins. Father, we pray for those who don't share with us this joy, um, that you will be at work in their hearts so that they may grow a desire to seek you and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, Father, I pray for us as well uh, um, as Mission Month, month approaches um, that we'll be bold in sharing our faith um, with them and inviting them to these services where they can learn more about your character and your love for them. Uh, Father, we continue to pray for the upcoming 20 day, 21 days of prayer uh, that we'll be committed to it and take time out of our day to lay these requests before you knowing that you're a God who listens and who answers 
Um, Father, as a church family, our hope is to become more prayerful and dependent on you. Uh, so, Father, please create in us a desire in our hearts to do so as we ultimately seek to bring you glory through these things. In your son's name I pray. Amen. All right. Don't, don't go yet. Um, guys, I hope you realize how fantastic this, uh, this initiative is. So let me just ask some clarifying things. Number one, um, so this Wednesday night where we have a prayer worship um, gathering, 745, that's the official launch. Yep, because that'll be the 9th of Jan, yeah? Yes. That'll be the official launch of 21 Days of Prayer. So if you can make it at all on Wednesday night, that's a good one to come to, especially because that, that's when we'll get the prayer cards, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so come along Wednesday night, and if you didn't manage to get a prayer, prayer card on Wednesday night, um, make sure you grab one off these guys um, next Sunday. Now, Prayer Corner, where's that going to be at? Because we want to do it this week, so what, what's going to happen? Yeah, so after service, um, we'll just meet at the front. Um, and we'll split off and pray for each other. Okay, so pray for each other. Is that specifically praying for friends or just praying in general for each other for whatever requests? Um, in general, I think any prayer request is fine. Right. Um, but I guess more specifically in the lead up to finishing month. Okay, so front front where? Like front <laughs> like here, yeah. here, here-ish, here-ish, there-ish, overflow into there-ish? Yep. Okay. Yeah, okay, so you got that? Like, don't be shy. I know some of you is like, oh, you know, after church, I don't want people to look at me as I come up. Um, set, it, set an example. It's actually great if people look at you when you come up because we want people to come up here and pray. And it can only be for five minutes or whatever it is, however long. Um, you know, you can catch up with your friends later. Um, sometimes I feel like Sunday after church, we're just asking about the weather and what we got up to on New Year's Eve. All great, but not as important. So why don't we get together and why don't we just get together and pray? Um, you can be in pairs. You can just find people you're comfortable with or just pray with someone else. But that would be a great thing to do. Like, if we could do it weekly, that would be awesome, right? Okay, so come up um, for prayer, um, prayer, prayer corner. Um, what else do we need? Hands workshop, that's not till the 23rd, so that sounds really exciting. And, yeah, social media. Uh, if you're not part of any social media, then lucky you, because it, it does waste a lot of time. But here's where it's actually really useful, but um, we are happy to get you the prayer points in other ways. Oh, quick one. Why 514? Can you remind us why again? Yeah, yeah, so just that one John passage. Because it's one John 5.14, yeah. there you yeah. go. So um, if you want, go to your um, phones and set a reminder at 5.14 every day, right? Because that'll be a great time to all know that at 5.14, as many of us as possible are praying. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. Um, and uh, when these guys send me an email saying, oh, this is, my, this is our idea, they're really polite about it. It's like, I'm not sure if this will work with the church calendar. It's okay to say no. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is great. I want more of this stuff happening. So let's get behind it. Let's really get behind 21 Days of Prayer. Everyone can be involved. Fantastic. We're going to sing. All right, and that's enough from me as well.